0: Thank you, guys. If you guys can turn in your Bibles to Matthew, chapter. Uh, Matthew chapter two. We're gonna read out of. Uh, we're gonna read the word today. We're gonna read the whole, the whole chapter, the whole text, and. Um, um, I just think that uh, this next season for our particular body is gonna be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about the healing rooms and how many of you guys, uh, when you're sick, you go to the doctor, right? How many of you guys have known someone who was sick and they didn't go to the doctor? Right? Right? You've done that and it's like, what? what's going on? And it's like, well, I'll, I'll get over it. And it's like, well, okay, I understand. Maybe you know the depths of it. But if you're really sick, if you're sick and you're scared to go to the doctor, because you're scared what the person might say. How many of you know that's just not, that's not healthy? That's, that's not only a sick body, that's sick thinking. And you, you're not going to get well from that. You need to get into the, into the heart of the presence of people who are studying that dimension, that physical reality. You know, God, uh, the science is actually a gift from the Lord. And when, how many of you guys know when you study science, you're studying His creation? And you're actually learning the attributes of God within creation. So it isn't a, like a God versus science. I mean, God made science, so He's obviously in it. And so we study medicine, and we we thank the Lord for those men and, and women that study medicine, and they give their they give their life a portion of their life to serving humanity with establishing wholeness and getting well. And we celebrate that. But we also celebrate the healing aspect that God has actually endowed within the believer, the gift of healing that flows from the Spirit of God, and it's part of our inheritance, and we move that. And so I'm excited about the healing rooms. And, man, I'm, I'm excited to see limbs grow out. I'm excited to see the dead raised. I'm excited to see lame walk, blind eye see. I'm excited to see people who are burnt out get restored vision for their life. For people to come into a a revival um, outlook in their life. And that really comes with the presence of God moving in your life. And sometimes people don't know how to access that presence. And I, I actually really enjoy hanging out with you guys because I know that you... Are really good at stewarding the presence of the Lord, and other people know that too actually that's part of this house we We are really known for extending the heart and the hand of God and touching people and grabbing them and establishing a connection and in a lot of, there's some people that don 't even come here and they say this is their church and i'm like that's okay holy spirit i need to I need to relook what's going on here and i do know that we are need to, we need to protect the the outlook of our influence and say you know what holy spirit we know that you call your own you you call people your own that are not even in your house and i'm going to accept that and say yes that there are people that are not even in here that are in our family amen that's just something on my heart so in matthew chapter 2 how many you guys are there? I'd like to give you guys a long time to get there before I get there, if you guys haven't picked that up. Um, and so thank you for the water, by the way. You guys give our ushers a hand. They, um, they're doing an amazing job in making sure that um, there is a, a, just an administrative administration of order in the house, and we really appreciate that. So next time you see them, give them a hug, handshake, and uh, here we go. This is Matthew chapter two verse one says, "Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, wise men now does every, everyone know what that word means in the Greek? Does anyone, Does anyone know what that word means in the Greek? It's, it's, the, it's actually the word where we get. Uh, it's the word magi. Have you ever heard of the magi? Okay, You know what magi was short for? It was for short for magicians. And you know what was another word for magicians that we would have known is a sorcerer? Okay? An astrologer. Just keep that in your mind. Just put that in your bank. Let's save that, okay? Wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking where is the newborn King of the Jews now it's not that they were questioning his existence is that they were actually looking for him some people aren't questioning God's existence they actually want to find him we saw his star as it rose so evidently in creation God put a Messiah star for these men, or women, I don't know, but these, these magi to search for and find it. Who put it there? God. Where did he put it? In the heavens. It's in the stars. This is interesting. If I was to ask you a question, do we look to the stars for answers? Oh, man, this is going to get messy in here today. Do we look to the stars for answers? Well, can we? Well, what does God say in Genesis 1? Why did he give us stars for signs and for seasons? Just, uh, my my youth pastor used to say this, not from the pulpit, but I'll just go ahead. He used to say, put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. That's what he used to say. Oh, man. If you knew him, you'd understand. So King Herod, this was interesting, uh, verse, uh, Verse 2, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. They they were disturbed. Not, Not only was King Herod disturbed, but everyone was disturbed in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? So he got everyone together, all these leading theologians and scribes and scholars and said, where is this guy? According to history, according to your books, where is this guy supposed to come out of? And in verse 5 says, In Bethlehem uh, in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, In the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Interesting to know they were looking. That means that they were looking and the star wasn't there. But they kept looking, and the star was there. This is an awesome lesson, guys. You've been looking in the heavens for the release for a long time. It's very important that you do not stop looking for the sign God is going to give you. Amen? God is going to give you that green light. It's very important that you don't stop looking for his go. That you just don't accept where you're at and think, well, it's just not in the stars. (laughs) Amen. And it says this, verse 8. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me, So that I can go and worship him too. After this interview the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east. Guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them. And it stopped. Over the place where the child was. When they saw the star. They were filled with joy. Everyone say joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So, how I many of you guys know the significance of the gifts that they were given? We know they were given gold, frankincense, and more? And it doesn't, just because there were three gifts doesn't mean there were three wise men. It, the Bible talks about three gifts, but it doesn't mean that there were only three wise men. We actually don't know how many magi were actually with the group. And actually, the, the Bible actually doesn't say that it was actually during, like, the birthing of Jesus that they showed up. It could have been either between him being newborn or even two years old. Um, But when they gave him gold, why? It was prophetic, because he would be a king. And they gave him frankincense. Why? Because frankincense was burnt by the priests. It was to prepare the place of presence for the spirits. And he, they gave him frankincense because he was going to prepare the spirit. He was going to. He was going to make known the presence of the Lord. And the third thing was myrrh. How many of you guys know what myrrh is? It's an embalming agent. It, it prophesied of His death and His burial. See, He came to die. He came as a king, He came as a priest, and He had a mission to come to, to provide the atonement for us. And it says this, it says, uh, verse 13 after the wise men were gone an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream Get up flee to Egypt with the child and his mother the angel said Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him That night Joseph left for Egypt and the child and Mary his mother And they stayed there until Herod's death This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. I want you guys, if you guys have a highlighter, I want you to highlight, I want you to highlight that verse 15, and then it says, 16, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise man had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years and under based on the wise men's reports of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called, what is it called? Nazareth. Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophet said, he will be called a Nazarene. Now, there's two things going on here. And this is what I want to, this is what I want to, to hit on today. And um, this is our second week to speak on putting Christmas in Christ. Because, um. What God is doing in our land. It's not a there are things that God is doing. But then there are other things that God is doing or actually I say those things that God is doing, there are some who don't have eyes to see what he's doing because they are already expecting him him to come in a certain way. Because they're expecting him to come a certain way, they can't see what he's doing. They're actually looking they're looking for something that they want in their hearts, but it's because it actually supports what they think should happen, not what God wants to do. And there's there's a couple of interesting things here. How many of you guys know how many times that Matthew here says how many of you guys I should say, how many of you guys know that Jesus in And um, Joseph and Mary, there was a whole lot of prophetic words that were fulfilled in this passage. I think there's like three or four prophetic words that were in different places in Old Testament Scripture that were fulfilled in this passage that we just read right here. There's a lot of uh, the, this was written by the prophet such and such, okay? I mean, you guys saw that. Did you guys see that? There's a lot of fulfilled prophecies. Now... um, I'll, let me tell you the reason why that is, and I want to get into putting Christ back into Christmas. But I want to, I want to create a context for us, for us to fit this in. And one thing that I have learned in reading Scripture is there is the story that is being told. Matthew is telling us a story, right? But there's also a context to the story, to why he's telling the story. Does anyone know who what Matthew did? And he was a tax collector. He was actually very well versed. In, he was a Jew. He was very well versed in the Jewish culture. He knew what they needed. He knew what they were. He knew the people. How many of you guys know your culture? Do you actually know your culture? Or have you, have you demonized them to a point where they have to come to you for answers? Or do you provide the answer to them through Christ? So one thing that I thought was interesting with Matthew in this passage is he's doing something. I hope you guys are catching what he's doing. Because again, there is the context or the text itself giving us the message that is very important. But then there's also the parameter context that is equally as powerful as what's going on in the story. And what's going on here is Matthew was written about 40 to 40. 45 A.D. Okay, so let's just say from here to here, it's death, death, uh, Jesus's birth and and his uh, his death burial resurrection. So the book of Matthew was written just not too long after um, Jesus had ascended to heaven. Okay, and but you have to remember that before Jesus came. There was four hundred years from the last book of the Bible to be written, which was the book of Nehemiah that we have in our canon. So it was actually not Malachi that's the last book that was chronologically written, even though that's how we look at it, but it was actually Nehemiah was the last book in the Old Testament that was actually written. Then there was four hundred years of people looking, hoping for this Messiah, dreaming, and guess what? After a while. People get tired. They get tired of looking for the Messiah. And what happens when you get tired of looking for Jesus? You get happy. When you get tired of, I'm just so tired of the dry season. Do you know what you'll do? You will reduce your relationship to the, the lowest lowest part. And that's just, let's just get together and, we do it because of tradition. Oh, I come, I come to church every Sunday because I, we got to do this. We got to do this temple thing, and honey, we got to get the best sheep. We got to go kill it. And so you've reduced your relationship down to like slavery thinking, which is what God was trying to get the Old Testament out of these believers and bringing them into the fullness of what Christ was going to provide. So here you have four hundred years of just, uh, what is this dude coming? When is David going to end this sermon? (laughs) All right. But they're waiting for this. And it's so funny for me is the people who actually discovered Jesus were doing something that these people weren't doing. They were actually... uh, Actually, some people believe that the Magi from the East were actually prophets that Daniel trained up when Daniel... Was under the um, the rule of the Persians, when Daniel and he was a dreamer. He knew he was a, he was he knew how to intercede, but he also was very keen on signs and visions and dreams and interpretations. A lot of people believe that uh, scholars believe that Daniel was training up uh, people within the Persian realm of scholars and. Uh, uh, and they were actually then known as the Magi who, who developed and grew and had this. And they knew to look for the Messiah. They actually had texts. And Daniel, and the reason why people believe that is because Daniel has some of the most expanded prophecies of what to what is to come. And so uh, as far as like the coming of the Messiah and things like that. So they had a lot of these texts to look for. And they found the star and they, they were searching for it. And they found it but within their culture, they were a culture of dreamers. They were a culture of people that did not just steward this very narrow-minded dimension of what God can do, but they had expanded their faith to include things that allowed them to dream and think outside of the box. God wants us to be able to not just think that what he is doing only happens in here, right? Everything that we do here is, is a small, small pinhole of what God, of what God is doing. And every, every day we pray in our leaders that, Lord, expand our ability to see the things that you're doing that we don't see. Because we don't have all the answers. Amen. Amen. You know, it's, it's, I, and I hope that's as freeing for you as it is for me to be able to stand up here and say, you know what, I do, I, I know the Holy Spirit is showing me things. And I know that a lot of times what he shows me has an isolated context of what I need for my own personal life. But there are things that he shows me that it says distribute them to others, Right. We don't know everything that the father told Jesus when he was in his quiet times, but we knew that it fed Jesus, it prepared Jesus, and there was a piece of that bread of the presence that he broke off and gave through to the experiences that the disciples had. Amen. You guys remember that Jesus said to his disciples, he said, there's a lot of things I want to tell you, but I can't tell you, I can't tell you those things. You're just not ready for them. How many guys want to tell your kids certain things, but you're just like, yeah, that wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> you just don't need that information right now. There's other things that you need, but yeah, I'm just going to just not going to tell you that. It's not that I don't want you to have that information. I do. But there's a timing for it. Amen. Sometimes when God doesn't give us the information we want, we're looking for, it's because he plans on it. But the timing He wants to prepare you to be able to steward that information. And here you have... It tells me that the people in Israel were not ready for that information. But the people coming from the east were looking. And their faith had been stirred. And they had prepared their hearts for the Messiah. And there there was hope. And the hope was... Pure in and of itself other people had a motive behind their hope have you ever thought about have you ever thought about judging your hope through a context of a um, of motive have you ever done that like I have a hope for this why well you know I want to bring glory to the Lord Okay, I, I think that's a great answer. But the Holy Spirit really knows if that's really the heart of your motive. What if, what if the heart, like, I just, God wants me to have a better job. I just want better. I want a better job. And that's great because you want to bring glory to the Lord. But is really the reason because you're tired of having a mortgage? Is that the real reason? If you had a mortgage the rest of your life, and you were always going to be in debt. And you couldn't get out of debt. Would you still. Preserve that hope. Or would the hope for the better job. Just kind of. Ugh, whatever. Ugh, so that what that does. Is it exposes the heart of your motive. Why do you. What's the hope. What is the hope of your calling. What is the. What's the defining thing? And one thing that I've interest, interesting I've learned is that when people are worried about taking Christ out of Christmas, and they're worried about that, oh, we need to do this. Oh no, we're getting this. You know, I love what Megan said today. How man, it's so easy. Like the gospel is so it's so tangible for people. They're ready. They're ripe. Jesus said, he said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers because it's ready. It's ready. It was ready and it never it never got unready. We need to continue to pray for harvesters because it's ripe. The world is not hell bent. It's ripe and it's ready for good news. People just need to have real good news in order to Give. If people don't receive the message, it's not their fault that that person's not giving them good enough news. I had an amazing encounter with a a person via text um, about five or six years ago. I think it was maybe a little longer, but we were doing a youth activity, and um, the I had all the youth numbers, and we were going to do something, and we had to cancel what we were going to do. And I had a number... In my group text, there was an old number. It belonged to somebody else, and I didn't know that. So I was like, hey, we're going to we're gonna uh, have to cancel this evening, blah, 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 blah. And I got a couple of responses from the teenagers. Okay. Oh, thanks for telling me. Um, oh, I was hoping to be there. And this one response was like, you're a bunch of heretics, and you're a bunch of uh, fakes. And I was like, what? And like in my group text, I'm thinking, okay First of all, like I don't have a problem if that's like, okay, it's good for me to know we need to work on that. But why would you say that in a group text? You know, private text me. And so I responded to this person saying, "Is everything okay?" Now thinking it was the person in the youth group, and they were, and then they started putting some like expletives and stuff in there. I was like, "Oh, whoa, oh, this is not good." (laughs) All right, so I. I took the person's number and I copied it and I texted it in the private text and I addressed this person by name and I said, is everything okay? What's going on? And then they said, stop calling me this person. And I'm thinking, oh, we got a demon here. What in the, okay, here we go. Casting out demons via text. All right. So I'm thinking what they said, why are you calling me this person? And, and I'm like, well i'm sorry and they're like i don't know this person and i'm waiting like wait a minute this is, is isn't your name such and such and they were like no my name's not that i'm a i'm you know and they told me their gender and told me that they didn't tell me their full name but they told me that i wasn't who they said i thought they were and then like then he he continued to expand this person i don't know continued to expand on why the church is a bunch of phonies a bunch, uh, bunch of hypocrites, a bunch of, we judge. And I understand, like, man, in his context, this is true. Like, honestly, I feel really bad because, um, and again, we can't protect everyone's, what they receive. We, we really can't. And we're not, we're not here to right a wrong. We really can't. Like, we actually, need, we actually need to forgive the church for doing that and release them from the responsibility of, man, if you guys are messing it up. You've got to make it right. No, 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 we forgive you. Just as, just as Jesus forgave us, we're going to forgive those people. We're just going to release them and show mercy, even towards the church that has made mistakes. But here's this guy who's like this, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And the Holy Spirit just impressed on me in that moment that this person, um, he's had... Obviously a bad experience. That was knowledge. That wasn't wasn't like a word from the Lord. But he just said he doesn't believe. He doesn't believe that he could be a son. Because the reality of him being a son has been cut out at the root. And you have to plant a seed that actually convinces him that he is a child of God. The reason why they don't believe there's a God is because... They have created there's been such a disconnect from God and love that they say, well, if there's no love, then there's definitely no God of love. And so Holy Spirit said he just needs to believe that love is possible and he needs to tie the unconditional reality of love to the Lord. And so I started to um, just kind of uh, say, you know, actually, you know, God believes in you and he was like, you know, okay, I believe in the spaghetti monster in this guy. And he just we were having fun. I was like, no, really. I mean, the, I mean, I can tell you that the attributes of God are actually alive and well in your life. And he was like, dude, that's that's a bunch of baloney. That's that's not true. You can't you can't prove that. And I said, "Well, do you have any kids?" And he said, "Yes." And I said, well, do you love your kids? He said, of course I love my kids. And I said, how can you prove that? How scientifically can you prove that there's a love gene that is geared towards the isolated cells of your children? How is that, where is that programming? That, you are, that the, the subconscious has actually programmed you to be drawn. Where's the magnetic draw? The physical, readable, can put it under a microscope that says that these cells are drawn towards the preservation of your children. Tell me where that is. And and then he's like, look, I, I love you. He, and he, he had not talked to a believer that actually used science towards the Lord, because every believer he had come in contact with was, he basically can just knock them off the chart because they didn't believe in science. Or they didn't give good scientific arguments that would complement science, but actually insulted science. And to me, that's the most dangerous thing, is when believers insult the research that so many people have given their life to. That's, That's not smart at all. And so um, he had never talked with a believer who actually honored the research of others. Um, how many of you guys know that Darwin, right before he left to go to South America to do his studies, he actually left from seminary? He wasn't, he wasn't an evolutionist starting off. He actually went, and do you know what he did? You know what he had a vision of? You know what he had his theory? A lot of people took his theory and they made it tangible. But really, Darwin was seeing a vision of the transformational process of being a new creation in Christ. That you actually are being transformed. Now, he took it as a literal scientific thing and he put it in there. A lot of people bought into it and fed it and stuff like that. But a lot of times, people in the scientific community have visions from the Holy Spirit and they, are, they articulate it. And what we're trying to do is, what the believers need to do is honor it and to be able to say, you know, what you're seeing is actually a spiritual reality. But if you demonize it, then you isolate it, and then they make it a tangible requirement. And there's no way to mend that back into the beautiful creation Christ is making us into. And so I was talking with this gentleman and said, you know, you have the attributes of God in you. And I talked to him about love. And I said, don't you want to give your kids everything they need? And he goes, no. And this is the cool thing. The Holy Spirit was like, just be patient, David. Be patient. I'm here. Just be patient. I said, you mean you don't want to give your kids everything they need? He goes, no, I don't. And I said, why not? He goes, because I give it to them. If I just give them what they want... And not teach them how to steward what they need. They will destroy what I give them. I was like, oh, Holy Spirit. I was like, you got it. That is the father in you, man. That is God. I I mean, I'm proving you. You already have the heart of God in you. That's God. He had never heard that. He just experienced a bunch of spoiled brat Christians who told him God wants to be your Santa Claus. And he thought, dude, that's not all the God of love. A God of love doesn't spoil his children rotten to the point where they're a bunch of brats who expect it, and if you don't, then they just close their eyes and say, he's still going to give it to me? No, he wanted to create disciples, people who actually, Jesus said, you are my friends if you... Do what I say. That's what I love. It's like you want to be my friend. I want to be your friend. Do what I say. <laughs> you want to be my disciples? Yeah, I'm going to tell you to do stuff. You need to do it. Then you're my, you're my disciples. So here we have this man who has n- he he has n- he has no grid for the Lord because of the isolation with with a certain it's a small section, okay, small section that has been people that tout who God is. But God has been so much more than that. And the Bible even talks about in Romans, I believe it's in uh, Romans 1 and 2, how the people without the law already have it written on their conscience. They already have it in their heart. And the Bible says that those who have not been taught the law when they die, they're not judged as according the same with those who have the law and disobey it but they're actually, courting, they're actually judged according to their own conscience. So next time somebody says, what about the people on an island that die? Well, God has already, DNA, had already put in us the law of love and is actually, he's a better judge than what we give people, what we give him credit for. He knows exactly. Amen. My phone's amening me. Oh, that's good. Amen. But there's something that's interesting that takes place in a person who realizes that it 's these moments Christmas, the season that we say, "Man, this belongs to the lord and it 's not that it 's not that we have to make it into a religious moment, but it 's these are moments that we get a gift to really reflect, and those people who uh, are trying to remove like don 't sing a christmas carol don 't you understand that those people. It's not that they're out in evil against Christians. It's that there have been encounters with people that say that they were believers that didn't demonstrate the love of God. They demonstrated, they demonstrated a false God. Actually, they demonstrated. See, the God that this guy I was texting with, the God that he thought I believed in actually doesn't exist. He's not real. The God that he... Now, the God that I know that receives him and believes in him and loves him no matter what he believes does exist. So there is a God that doesn't exist. And the God that doesn't exist is weak and needs to be... He he needs... He needs your worship. You better worship me or else. That actually, that God doesn't exist. See, our, you know that the reason why we worship is because God has shown his glory on Jesus who shines his glory on us. Jesus reflects in us and as we receive glory from him, we continue to, to resound the glory that was handed down from Jesus, that was handed down from the Father. The reason, see, one thing I love when I see people worshiping is the flow is happening because it's God who worshiped and blessed first in creation. And from that, it's moved into the Son and it's moved into you, his new creation. And so when we are worshiping on a Sunday morning, it is a, you guys understand that it's the expression of God. It's not that you're giving something to him that he needs. It's him moving in you because you need to reflect what he is doing through you to others. Amen. See, what we're going to do is we're going to take Christmas and we put it and say this is a gift this is a gift from the lord we're not worrying about the social need to we you know you don't have you don't have this and you know to me i hope xmas does not make you upset i hope when you see that you i hope you can get past the religious spirit that mandates that word be in the phrase i hope you're okay with that I hope, see, to me, you know what that is? That is the enemy distracting you from loving people. When you, because what happens, let's say, let's, let's just, I'm going to give a context to what I'm saying here. Let's say you have Xmas on your work desk. You come in and it says Xmas. Someone puts that out there. And let's say they want to put Xmas out there because they know you want Christmas. What spirit do you think that spirit of agitation is at work? But why do you think that spirit of agitation is there in the first place? And so what happens is, is if you come into the office and you see that, you understand that that is an expression that's on their heart which means they're looking for you to react to that. If you react to that, you lose. Because now you're addressing a symptom and they're actually putting it out there as bait. <laughs> now this is if they, have, if they have that motive. So what do you do in order to remove this heart, the expression of this heart? as you love the person. And you know what? This actually isn't an issue. You really know why? Because it's not the issue. It's fruit of the issue. This is the, this is the developed fruit of the issue. But do you know what happens? Once you see, if we fill in society, that there's a bunch of people over here that are saying, we need to put Christmas in Christ. Why is that? It's because they have reacted to this. And do you know what? The same enemy that puts that in one person's heart is going over here and saying, yeah, that's right. Get, get it back in Christmas. Why? Because it's a defeated spirit. And it doesn't know how to put this issue and actually resolve it in love. And what you, when you enter into that, you actually start to move past problems. And you actually become, you become a solution because the problem isn't the problem. The problems in our society aren't the problems. The problems happen when the solutions stop being the solutions and stop start reacting to what the issues are. As a matter of fact, if you have a, we have political arguments and people are coming at them from both sides and we just know that you know what there is no there is no win there and, and in my own circle of of people i have i probably have more on one side of of aisles than the than the other but this last week i was really blessed to come into contact with a a man who was probably made up for all the connections i had over here he was really far on the opposite side and he was telling me all the things that are happening in our laws and And I was just like, "Huh, that's so weird." Like, and he was like, "Oh, this is going to happen." And man, you need to be worried here, and you need to do it. And just there's so many things that are coming down the pipeline. And I was like, "Wow, I don't know any of this," and I am so happy because of it. (laughs) Joy is a choice of what you choose to receive from. And I was like, you know what? If I allow this information to dictate what I'm receiving from, then I've already lost. And I took, and I was just listening, and and I know the Holy Spirit loved this person. And I said, you know what? I said, we actually have a really interesting solution for problems that are not actually related to that. And he was like, Oh, really? And I was like, yeah, we take people in here. And I mean, I know that those things are out there. It's it's not that we denounce that those things are real. but well, we do denounce the power and the position they have in our life. Amen. And so I said, can I tell you what we do here? And he was like, OK, because it was a little off topic. And and I said, what we do here in our church, because we were here, and I said, you know, in our church, I know that that's going on in Washington, and I know where you're from, there's this stuff going on, but um, this is what we do in, in, in our community, and I started telling him about, you know, it's our goal to reduce our people's fear to zero, that this is what we do, and this is how we do it, and I started telling him what we do, even in our body here, with people in our leadership, our disciplers and our body and how you guys move and you're touching people and you're doing this and you're spreading news, good news and you're encouraging people and you're, uh, your word is, is saving marriages it's feeding the community it's de the homeless it's, it's doing these things we, we, I started sharing this and this guy was like you know I could get into that That's, uh, that sounds that sounds really good. Um, and this guy was not, he, was, um, he did not have a, he, he was just kind of, didn't have any sort of spiritual compass. Um, and the thing that I've realized is that what I don't want to do and what I don't, I'd be great if we didn't do as a body is conditionalize news. Conditionalized news. Listen to the hope. Is hope is by itself hope, okay? It's powerful, and what God will do is He will give you a vision, like He gave the wise men the star. But what was at the end of the star was what they were hoping for, right? Faith. Faith is the is the substance of things that you hoped for, okay? So they didn't have faith until they reached what they were hoping for. Jesus was the hope of the nations. And so here they go and they find this baby. And the Bible says they were filled with joy because the thing that they hoped for was something they beheld, they blessed it, they gave it, And as a body of believers, as a body of believers, the enemy is out to dismember us. He's out to separate us. He's out to isolate us. He's out to get us to point fingers, create separation and confusion, worry and doubt. And what happens is we get to start to to really ex- uh, explore the goodness of God not because we're fighting the devil but because the devil loses when God's goodness is displayed it's not he's not defeated when we pray against him he's defeated when God is glorified i want to read this a couple things and then i want to close you guys okay I to ask why why would someone think that Christ can be taken out of Christmas. Just think of that. Why would someone think that Christ can be taken out of Christmas? That's <laughs> It's the same here's the interesting thing about that that same person. See every thought thoughts are connected. They are. And sometimes I call thoughts have relatives I'd say that has a cousin and the interesting thing is the same person that says that Christ can be taken out of Christmas that same person thinks that um, God could be taken out of other things in their life they take that thinking and they superimpose it into other areas Uh, that person will say God is not in the nation God is not in this nation. God is not in my kids. God is not, uh, God is not at my job. Um, he's not, you know, we need. I need God in my family. Um, God is not in my marriage. God is not in, the worst part is the one that, people feel that God is not in my life. You need God in your life. The problem isn't God is not in their life. It's just he's dormant in their life. What we do is reveal what's already there. It's already there. The believer's part is to reveal the glory of God in all creation. Amen? See, (laughs) Thing that really saddened me a couple couple years ago, I had a person who who they worked for their boss, and this person loved their boss. They did everything with this boss, they traveled with them, they did um, they they hung out, they did all these things, they were really close with their boss, and I can't tell you how many times this person was saying, Man, this person is a strong believer, oh, they love the Lord. I mean, just like just was praising them with their walk, and they hang out with them, do all these things. Oh yeah, man! God, he's he loves God, and you know he's a strong believer. And then what happened was interesting: is, is the person, the boss, started to correct and make adjustments in this person, and said, we, "We need to do some things differently. You're getting a little sloppy in this area." I, I just this person's starting to worry me a little bit. They're they're doing things that I don't know a believer would do. And I was like, I'm pretty sure they were doing that before. It's just you weren't looking at them. And then this person... And then as the the longer they got agitated and they allowed this thing to fester, the, the relationship between their boss and them started getting really agitated and finally the person was like I gotta get out of this job God is not in this job uh, I, I really feel he's leading me somewhere else I feel he's leading me somewhere else and I was like alright man and I'm thinking like right now you're choosing you're choosing something that's gonna affect the rest of your, the other areas of your life you're going to start to see that in your spouse. You're going to start to see that in other relationships. You're going to start to see that in your children in the churches you go to and what it's going to cause you to do. Listen, this is what it's doing. You want to know what this is doing? When you start to go down that route that God is not in that and God is not in that and God is not in that, there is a paradigm to that thought. If God is not over here, well, then he must be over here. Because I believe in God, so he's not here. He's he's in this church that loves me and accepts me and prays for me, but he's not in this church. He's just not here. He's he's not over here. Why not? I just you know, they don't pray for me, they don't talk to me, you know. And so what happens is that he's over here, or he's over here, but he's not over here. Well, that starts to seep in other areas of your life. And what happens is you start to conditionalize and you start to draw a line. You know what you do? You start to create a way a wall or what I like to call a veil. You start to sew up a veil that was meant to stay torn. Because in the Old Testament there was a place where God lived. And it was called the Holy of Holies. And there was instruction given to the children of Israel to create this six-inch thick veil. And God would stay on one side. And the people would stay on the other. And only one person got to be able to go in. And when that veil was torn upon Jesus' death, there was... A bl- line of blurring that said, it's not that you can come in, it's that he's coming out. And when the presence of God, when the people are flowing through the presence of God, they're not here to point out the places of the exmas in society, but they are there to put the Christ on reality. They are there because we are moving in the function of the Holy Spirit that says you are children of God. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. How many of you guys know what Emmanuel means? God is with us. He's with us. Amen? He's with you. God is with you. That Xmas doesn't stand a chance, because nothing that happens can really separate us from the love of God. We don't have to worry about a defeated mindset. Now listen, we, we here's what I mean: we don't have to create sides. We don't have to see things in our society and think that that's something we have to overcome. Who overcame the world? See, just because he overcame doesn't mean you're not going to have tribulations. That's a tribulation. That's a test that he overcame. Don't fight what he won. Your marriage is awesome. Your children are amazing. The test is whether or not you believe what he won. We are going to put Christmas in Christ. I love I love the prophet when he says he says um when he sings, uh, "Take the cold and cleanse my lips." Listen, when when you come into the presence, you start to re. There's there's certain things that are burnt away. How many know Jesus came with the baptism of fire, which means there's nothing left. You can wash ner- you can wash your body, but if you burn it, it's not there anymore. See, when Jesus comes, he's coming, and he. His death created a reality that the old way of thinking can't dwell in. You know when Paul says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways? Unstable in all his ways. Actually, the word double-minded isn't talking about someone who, I want pizza, no, I really want broccoli. You know, it's not like that. It's a person who is on one side of the law and a person who's on the other. It's the... they are because what the law did created something in the heart and what Christ did creates something in the heart. And we are believers who are here to not create a line, but actually reveal the unity of what Jesus has done in all of us. Amen. Amen. Um, Does anyone receive that today? You just Holy Spirit, just let me be someone who, is someone who reveals the truth of God in society. Let me be someone who is not, who who actually is about proclaiming the victory and not looking at the distractions that the enemy so wants me to engage in. That flesh and blood is not something that we wrestle with. But we wrestle in a higher dimension and we live in victory of what jesus has provided amen amen just grab somebody's hand and stand to your feet father i just thank you for the word of the lord today and i just thank you that lord just as uh, or even camille just prophesied the provision of the lord let us see the provision of the lord That we are not looking at what we don't have, but we are looking at what you have provided us. We thank you that the gifts that you have given us, we thank you for the life that you have imparted to us, and we receive the goodness of God. Even Even just this season, there's just a, Lord, we embrace the busyness. We don't fight it, we don't wrestle with it. We go into the storm because we know we are equipped with the word of the Lord. We're not scared. We are not a people who fears. We are a people of faith. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen.